Well, Justin, this is your microphone. We know how to use it. Thank you. Um, so as we were getting ready for this evening, uh, we, we really did feel like we wanted to continue what we had been doing within our 610 service. Again, talking about uh, hearing the voice of the Lord last month. And so we felt as, you know, Justin, we, we kind of just put this together within the last six weeks. So it wasn't, uh, we didn't know this was going to happen. Justin has been over at Knoxville at Celebrate Church, uh, leading over there and was there Wednesday night, Thursday night. And then uh, we're like, oh, maybe Justin could stop by on Sunday night. He obliged us, which we were very grateful for. And so we're like, oh, we could have a conversation because uh, IHOP, and I know a lot of Justin's story is IHOP firmly believes, which we all believe this, that we each personally can hear from the Lord, that he is speaking, he is communicating to us, we are in communion with him, but it's a place of growth for all of us. And so we thought, well, let's have a conversation with Justin. I'll ask him some questions uh, let him speak into some of these things from a person who is outside of our normal stream, uh, that there, there's wisdom in that, having somebody uh, who is not in our normal circles come in and speak into some things. And when he says something heretical, I'll make sure to correct him. So, Amen. Amen. So <laughs> we, I've been filling him in on the tradition of the Reformed Church, some of what is going on around here, and uh, it's super fascinating. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your family. Give us just a little bit of your story so that uh, we can know a little bit of who Justin Rizzo is. Okay. Is there like a buzzer that you hit if I've said something? No, no. Okay. A kick. Just wave me down. Okay. A holy kick. Um, so good to be with you guys. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I always love getting to talk as well as, you know, leading worship is great, but I always love sharing. Uh, so my name's Justin. I'm from, originally from Buffalo, New York, where uh, my parents were pastors and worship leaders for the first 18 years of my life. They're in the back there with our kids. Um, they travel with us quite often, which is great. And uh, so I grew up in the church around the things of the spirit. Um, my dad began kind of teaching me how to lead worship at the age of 12. I uh, really liked making money in high school. So my first business was a failed greeting cards business at the age of 12. Um, I would print them out, you know, on my uh, printer at home and try and sell them to our poor church people. Not poor in finances, poor in that I'm trying to sell to them. And uh, didn't sell any, but had like a paper route, worked at a coffee shop. I had this like drive in me to be an entrepreneur and kind of make money. Yet at the same time, there was this worship, um, you know, thing that the Lord was really stirring in my heart. So I heard of this place in Kansas City, Missouri, which that was pre-Patrick Mahomes. So I didn't really know where Kansas City was. Um, and so uh, had no desire to live in Kansas City. I was like, where is Kansas City? You know, from, I'm from New York. And, uh, but I heard of this place that was doing 24-7 worship and prayer, which really, really intrigued me. But I really had this drive, like the owners of my coffee shop there um, had six stores at the time. They now have 36 stores in their franchise. They really wanted to take me under their wing and, and do some stuff. And I was like, okay, I really love this but I'm going to check out this 24-7 prayer thing, which is kind of interesting and weird, but I'm going to check it out. So I, I drove down 15 hours when I was 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school and uh, walk in the back of this room in Kansas City. It's a lot less vibey than this room. I'll say that. It's like a shopping mall. Um, and But there was something that happened in that room that day that just touched my 17-year-old heart. And at that time, they'd been going for, I think, four years for 24-7, 
So around the clock, we're not talking like an open door that, you know, someone, uh, you know, uh, an old woman like in their 40s could go and pray. We're talking like, you know, young people, middle-aged, old people coming together on a platform in a room, 2 a.m. There's a full band, 4 a.m., 2 p.m., Christmas morning, Thanksgiving morning. Uh, For 15 years, I did the 6 a.m. and the 10 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning. And there was a room full of people crying out for a variety of topics. Um, And so that's kind of my life up to this point. Yeah, that's good. Uh, As part of your story, uh, tell us some, what are some ways that you hear from the Lord? Mm -hmm. Because there's a different spectrum you know, and a lot of us, some of us in here, maybe we feel like, yes, I, I hear regularly from the Lord. Some here are like, oh, I'm not sure. And maybe that's only for the, the paid professionals. They hear from the Lord. But how do you feel like you hear from the Lord? And what are ways within your story you have like these moments of like, yes, that was the Lord. And this is how I knew I was hearing his voice. Yeah, yeah I think, you know, we all know that in the Bible, the Lord talks in many different ways. I wish I was... Uh, a recipient of like dreams or visions or strangers walking up to me in the, in the supermarket saying, hey, the Lord says this. That's probably like never really even happened to me ever. So for me personally, um, it's just that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And there's, I'd say there's doubt almost every time when I hear something. So leading worship, for example, you know, we have 100,000 visitors who come through the International House of Prayer in Kansas City um, a year. So there's people sitting in my Tuesday 6 a.m. prayer set, just clearly they're from out of town. Some of them have their luggage still with them because they can't check into the hotel until three or whatever. And just like a thought would like pop in my brain. Like, oh, like, yeah, he probably lost his father. And I'm like, well, that's like really, really weird. Like, what's going on, you know? Thinking, oh, Justin, don't be weird. And I'm like, well, why would I think that? You know, and so, so many times I'd go into this kind of like prophetic-y type song, whatever it is, not call anybody out. We don't do that in the prayer room. So if you go, don't, don't worry, you won't be called out. But I would just kind of begin to sing something about the comfort of the heavenly father in the absence of an earthly father. And then watch this person begin to tear up and cry. I'm like, okay, I guess I, guess I heard from God. You know, and then you go back to your set, you know? So it's impressions, it's like the still small voice, um, it's kind of the, the main and plain way that I hear, which isn't really the flashy way that a lot of like my friends hear. It's like, oh, I get dreams, you know, like I don't remember mine, you know. I would say most of us in this room are actually very similar. And we believe this about hearing the voice of the Lord, that the Lord speaks in a lot of different ways. He yeah. comes in dreams. He comes in visions. He comes in audible voices. Uh, he comes in that inner voice, kind of that like, oh, it's in my head. Is that me? Is that the Father? Uh, he speaks through his word. There's ways that when we're in nature, he speaks through different atmospheres and different things. So he speaks in a variety of ways. But I want you to unpack just a little bit more for, because what you said I think is really important in this, this journey that we're on is we're hearing from the Lord because part of, we believe this to be true, that when we hear from the Lord, there is also a response on our part of obedience. And I think that's where sometimes hearing from the Lord becomes really scary because the Lord may ask or invite me into a situation, into a relationship, into a conversation that like, Lord, I'm not sure if I feel equipped or that I am supposed to do this. Am I hearing from the Lord? So you said, you know, as a worship leader, I'll have a a prompting that comes into my heart. And then you 
in that moment can sing, but let's say you're in the market. What does that mean for us in the kind of the day in, day out, in the workplace, in the school, to, okay, I feel like I'm hearing something, I'm sensing something in my spirit. Yeah. How do I trust that or how do I act upon it? Yeah. So that just kind of spurred a, a thought I'm going to share here in a second. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles to Philippians 2, I'm just going to read a, uh, two verses here in a second. Wow, that's a lot of rustling. That's amazing. That's because we have Bibles in our pews. Well, that's amazing. You guys got it. That's not typical. It's like phones. Um, but uh, it's a great, great, great question. I'm going to unpack this first here in a second. But it's a kind of like baseline, and I'm, this is like elementary, and you guys know this, but you know, when you're, uh, well, you're made up of a body, of a soul, and a spirit, yeah? We all can agree on that. So you have three parts of you, body, soul, and spirit. So when you're born again, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, you are sealed. So I, I picture like the signet ring, you know, back in the day the kings had the uh, logo on their ring. They would seal a document, you know, for the carrier to take off to the next city, and that seal better not be broken. You're marked and sealed by the signet ring of the king, Right? So your body, soul, and spirit, when you're born again, uh, it's called justification through faith. Holy Spirit comes one with your spirit, right? That's pretty basic. So the challenge then becomes you have an incredibly unrenewed body and soul trying to now deal with Christ inside of you. The very seed of God has become one with Justin's spirit. That's called justification by faith, through faith, uh, not by works and no man can boast. But sanctification is Justin's unrenewed body and soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions that want to do Netflix, binge, et cetera, et cetera. Holy Spirit's over here like, hey, uh, we are one. Like, I am in here. You do know that, right? You know, a good friend of mine says um, that the Holy Spirit, when you're justified through faith, it's like you get a billion-dollar deposit into your belly, your spirit, and most Christians live on five cent withdrawals a day. But you have access to billions. So even the fruits of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, whatever. When you're frustrated and you need to grow in patience or love, you're not asking for, God, let just a love bomb from your throne, make it to the atmosphere somehow and find me here at Pella Windows where I'm working and just fill me full of love because I hate my boss with a passion. That's not what you're asking for. The fullness of love, catch this, dwells inside of you right now because God is love. God is patience, kindness, gentleness. So instead of, God, I'm begging you for more love, you say, God, thank you for love. My unrenewed soul needs some movement of the fullness of love to pop on over, however that works, and fill me more full of love. So that's kind of a, a base uh, line. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so you have a body, soul, and spirit, and you have a, uh, some challenges in the soul and the body realm that we're trying to sanctify. So in Philippians... Uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 12, um, Paul gives us a great little um, kind of kick in the pants here, if you will. So he just comes off the amazing humility address um, about Jesus. And he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, here it is, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
Okay, so we'll unpack this in a second. First, I want to share, I heard a gross misrepresentation of this verse one time on a certain TV station of a, a pastor, preacher saying, now church, so he just read, continue to work out your salvation um, with fear and trembling. And he stopped. And he's like, now church, does God want you, don't respond, does God want you to be in fear? And they're like, no. He's like, you're right. God does not want you to live in fear. So then he continues into verse 13. He's like, well, he doesn't want you in fear. Here's why, church. God is doing the work inside of you to will and to act according to his good purposes. So just relax. Don't worry about it. I know he said fear, but then he comes back with just this, this peace. No, 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 God's inside of you, just chill. And I'm watching this TV, I'm like, oh my goodness, like what a horrible representation of not just this verse, but the whole of scripture. You can't just cherry pick a verse, even though it's grossly out of context. Anyway, you still can't cherry pick a verse and just say that, I'm, go, I'm gonna die on that hill. It's like, well, we have to look at the whole of the scripture. Here's what Paul is actually saying, this will tie to your question. He's like, hey, Church of Philippi, yeah, that thing called salvation, Christ inside of you, have fear and trembling as you're working out, Holy Spirit overtaking, being obedient in the grocery store when someone, God prompts you to speak to someone or whatever it is. Here's why. Because God is working inside of you by the Holy Spirit. He's whispering, Justin, don't cuss. Justin, don't do this. Justin, speak to that guy. He's gonna die today in a car wreck. Go talk to him. Justin, do this. And I have a choice of whether or not to listen to that voice. So Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling over how many times you ignore the voice of Holy Spirit who's willing for you to act inside every single day, thousands of times a day, and I choose to ignore his voice and say, no, no, anger feels super good right now. Or I say, you know what? I'm gonna not be angry. I'm gonna, Holy Spirit's telling me and pulling me back, right? So I even had this, this fear and trembling to work out my salvation. I mean, we could unpack what is your salvation for, for a long time, but I think even in this regard of we are put here as, as ministers and kings and priests, and so when the Holy Spirit whispers something, my unrenewed mind that I'm seeking to renew every day, we have verses about that, I, I make a choice. I remember one time I was at Olive Garden. You guys know Olive Garden? Um, and I was there with a buddy of mine, a worship leader, and we walked in, and there was a kid in a wheelchair, um, young kid, and he was with two women. We weren't quite sure what was going on there, but whatever, and uh, both of us, we had just listened to some really intense, like, healing teachings, and we both just sitting there, and then we look at each other. We're like, hey, we just listened to that teaching. Like, that morning, we should probably, like, pray for this kid, Right? And as we're, you know, in fear, talking to each other, table for three, and they whisk this, these people away. It's like, oh, man, we missed it. We felt so convicted that when they called our table, we sat down, and then we start wandering around this olive garden trying to find this kid in a wheelchair. They were, like, in the far back corner. We're like, okay, so we're willing and acting according to God's good purposes. Good Lord, it was not awesome. And we walk up to this table, and we're like, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're Christians and we would love to, to pray for your son to be healed. And they were gracious, and they let us, and uh, nothing happened. That's the end of the story. But, uh, yeah, so I think we have a choice. That's, that, that was a long way to say. 
that we have a choice and it's never going to be that I've experienced, you know, the writing on the wall, like Justin, when you wake up today, someone at the supermarket is going to be, you know, have a hurt elbow, pray for them. It's going to be that I sense, I think I just heard the Holy Spirit say, he's like, yes, I'm willing that you would act according to my good purposes. I'm like, no, probably not. So it's a choice that we make. Um, so how do we cultivate this? So uh, when I was, I was down at IHOP at the beginning of February, before we knew that you were going to be here, um, and I had, uh, I loved to read books, and so you actually had a book, Empty Rooms, which I had picked up, and I picked it up because it, I forget what the subtitle is, it's like Silent Solitude, mm-hmm. uh, which was something that the Lord was inviting me into in that season of learning what does it mean to move into silent solitude so that we could better hear from the Lord. Yeah. And part of my experience, I think all of our experience over the last couple of years is that there's so much noise, so many voices that I went through a season of not questioning that the Lord speaks, mm-hmm. but questioning my clarity in hearing him speak to me. And so I felt yeah. like the invitation was silence and solitude, empty rooms, yeah. secret place. And so could you speak into cultivating, what does it look like in this cultural moment where yeah. we are at in history to be able to hear with clarity, to hear what the Lord is saying to us, but what does that mean and look like from your perspective? Yeah, lots of thoughts. And I'll, I'll get to something here in a second. But so on that, I mean, you know, and I really struggled for a lot of years being at IHOP, um, so again, like I said, IHOP is around the clock worship and to be full-time staff at IHOP is a 50-hour-a-week commitment, 25 hours sitting in the chairs praying and 25 hours of service. And we have 55 departments in which you can serve. And my service is in the prayer department, so leading worship teams, discipleship, whatever it is. And um, I had a real issue probably about maybe 10 or 12 years ago. It's so about five years into my IHOP time, you know, studying the Bible I'm like, man, Matthew 6 seems pretty anti to what we're doing here at IHOP. Because Matthew 6 says, when you pray, go into your room. I'm in the prayer room. Shut the door where your father is waiting to meet with you in secret. So I'm like, oh, that's why I'm not sensing God in this prayer room. He's in my bedroom closet. (laughs) You're not supposed to be here. This is anti-biblical. What are we doing, right? And then, of course, you have to look at the whole of Scripture. IHOP isn't the Matthew 6 reality for your secret place though some have that experience. Um, It's more of a Joel 2, go read the book of Joel, you know, gather together, call a sacred assembly, cry out to the Lord that he'd have mercy, right? That's more of what IHOP is. But in that season, I really had to kind of reckon with like, I only want to be Matthew 6. I don't really want to do the Joel 2, gather together in a room on a Wednesday night or 24-7 or whatever it is. But there really is something to be said for, um, and living it for 18 years, in a culture of prayer with 800 people on staff at a prayer room, if you don't have the Matthew 6, things are going to get wonky. And so I think um, Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And that's what this book uh, talks about, you know, and and, uh, there's things that the Lord will give you in an empty room that you'll never, ever get in the public square. Um, and your father is waiting to meet with you in secret. But for me, what, what really kind of came to my heart as, as we were emailing and talking about this topic um, of hearing the voice of God, really it comes down to identity for me. So if you're taking notes, um, just jot that down. I think hearing the voice of God really comes down to identity. 
And, and for me, you know, it's not so much, oh man, I want to hear the voice of God so I can know what to do. And we sang about it a little bit tonight, you know, like, I want to burn for you, set my heart ablaze. It's not so much about my ministry and all the stuff that I can do for you. Because we see in, you know, the end of the book of Matthew in the book of uh, Corinthians, you know, it's like, hey, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all this stuff, but we didn't really have love inside of our hearts. So what do we really have? Um, and, you know, even at the end of the book of Matthew, uh, I'll just read it here uh, in chapter seven, I think it's verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. On that day, many will say, Lord, and this is for like people in ministry, this is extra terrifying, I think, because we do all the stuff all the time. Um, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons and do many works in your name? And I'll declare to them, I actually never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so for me, hearing the voice of God even starts with identity and going one level deeper, it starts with love. Okay, so under that word identity, I would encourage you to write love. And if you're not aware of this, your greatest purpose in life, write this one down and check it with the Bible. Your greatest purpose in life is to have a burning heart in love with God. If on your deathbed you have that, it doesn't matter if you saved a billion souls on the shores of Africa or if you worked a small time job and wherever it is, you are successful. John 17 verse three says, this is eternal life that we would know Jesus Christ. So to back this up with a great scripture, uh, in the book of Matthew, you guys all know the verse, um, chapter 22. Again, your, your greatest purpose in life, your identity in hearing the voice of God is that you would have a heart on fire in love with Jesus, experiencing his love and giving him love. From that place we hear and do. If we try and hear and do, without having it be about relationship and love, things are gonna get really, really wonky. In Matthew 22, Jesus said, now this is, pay attention to this, this is Jesus' final public address before the cross. He has a couple private conversations, a couple rebukes he gives some people, but this is his final public address. So if you ask Jesus, hey man, you got one more thing, you know, the angels in his ear, hey, uh, so the cross is coming. You have one final public address. I don't think it happened that way, but for the drama. Um, Jesus said, here's what it is. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And guys, I was raised as a pastor's kid in the church. I've worked in the church my whole life. And who can agree with me that that's an in one ear, out the other verse? So often, it's like, okay, got it. I love God. I'm trying not to sin. Got it. What's next? Is life always going to be mundane? Got it. Okay, where's the money? Like, where's the relationship? Like, is anything else going to happen? And God's just like, yeah, Justin, don't just run past that verse. Loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is a back and forth relational equity that we give each other, much like you have in a marriage 
And it's not, if you just go into your marriage of like, hey, what do you want me to do today? Just tell me. Okay, her, oh God, please tell me. I wanna wanna make sure I get it right. Like week after week, month after month, it's like, it's not quite the marriage you wanna have. It's probably gonna be a a rough marriage. It's the intimacy with the heavenly father, the burning heart in love with God who is love by which I go to that secret place and say, hey, because I love you, what would you have me do today? Let me hear your voice. From the place, the identity of love. Yeah, that's good. Uh, as we talk about a secret place lifestyle, give some practicalities. And this looks different for everybody because the Lord has wired us different. We have different personalities. Yeah. But when we say cultivating a secret place lifestyle, what are the practical, I'm jotting these three things down. Yeah that you have experienced. And, and could you speak into the mundane? What I appreciated about in your book, and I know about what you do, and being a worship leader, mm-hmm. is we would say there is a grind to some of the things we do. And you have moments in the prayer room yeah. when it ain't all tingly and Holy Spirit moments. Yeah. And that is, and I think for secret place lifestyle, there is something, you, you understand where I'm Absolutely. going. So some Absolutely. practicality and in the mundane, what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you guys a story about a woman named Susan. I was 19 years old, and Susan, I'd lead worship, would sit in this section of the prayer room. She was five foot nothing, super skinny, super skinny neck, and she would just sit there, I swear, for like hours. If that was me, I'd be like conked out in like 30 seconds. <laughs> the head bob. Susan's head never bobbed. And she would just sit there. She'd get up, go to the bathroom. I was silly to my two-hour set. She'd sit back down. I'm like, God, what is Susan doing over there? You know, she's like going somewhere. So um, I did a trip to Charlotte, North Carolina, get off the plane with my band and Susan's our bus driver. And I'm like, I'm gonna plague this woman with questions the whole drive. I'm sitting in front. So I did, because I wanted to learn like what's going on in the little pea brain of yours because I need to get in there. And so I was like, Susan, hey, I'm Justin, you know, whatever. And so um, began to kind of just open up to like my struggles with like, hey, I usually sit down in prayer, whether it's in my bedroom or in the prayer room, I fall asleep, I'm just so scattered, you know, da, 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 da. And she's like, uh-huh, 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 you know? And so first she tells me, she's like, yeah, it's like, so I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there and a lot of times I, I don't really feel anything, but you know, I have like kind of Bible verses just resting on my heart, you know, and when I get distracted, I'll just kind of bring myself back to the center. And her, so her distracted looked a lot different than mine. Mine's like, coffee? Yeah, let's do coffee, you know, right now, let me out of here. Um, and so, but she said this statement that has stuck with me ever since. She's, as I was lamenting of how I fall asleep or I get distracted or whatever, she, and she's so happy, sweetest spirit. It's like, oh, Justin, she's like, the Lord loves those times. Did you know there's never, ever a wasted secret place time, even if you don't feel anything? Because God loves that you came to spend time with him. He loves it. I was like, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, Susan. That wasn't quite what, I I mean, it touched my heart, but I wanted like the one, two, three, you know, whatever, which we'll get to some of that. But um, so I think for me, really, really practically is remove distractions. We were getting a tour of you guys' prayer tower over here, and there's a little sign in one of the floors, uh, suggests move your, put your phone in this basket or whatever. Um, you know, I saw a Broadway show. Uh, I was reading an article about a Broadway show. They require, um, for a variety of reasons, but that you put your phone in a locked case, Broadway in New York, 
that you cannot get it till the end of the show. It's like, that's for entertainment purpose, you know? It's crazy. Um, so the first thing I, I practically do is remove distractions. And uh, for me, that's typically getting rid of the supercomputer that I have in my hand and putting it far away. Notifications off, um, especially young people, I just want to say it's, it's not enough to have notifications off. It's, it's one little swipe and you're like, oh, here's this. Oh, my God. You know, I just need to check the weather. I need to, you know, all these different things. So remove distractions um, whenever possible. And I'll just say, really honestly, 18 years at IHOP, there's a lot of distractions in a prayer room. There's not so many distractions in my closet at home. So remove distractions. The second one is a little bit tricky because everyone receives differently. Some are like visual learners. They need to like read the Bible. Some are like audio learners. Some are like tactile. They need to like write out the scriptures or whatever. I'm kind of a mix. I, I learn best when I like tactilely write it out. So I'll get a big um, piece of this thing called paper. It's eight and a half by 11 uh, big. It's white. And this thing called a pen, there's like ink inside of it. And I literally write down the Bible verse that I'm studying multiple, multiple times. Now, if you're not tactile, that might annoy you. I have friends who they can just listen to the audio Bible and they just retain it all. It mostly stresses me out, you know? So remove distractions. Find a way that you can get with the scriptures that best suits you, whether that's audio Bible, writing it out, um, reading it, whatever it is. And then the third thing is journaling because with God, at least for me and my personality, um, I want to write down things and, you know, it's kind of like, they call it a brain dump. A lot of these, you know, business books, they talk about just brain dump, put everything on the whiteboard and we'll make sense of your awesome idea for a business, right? So I like brain dump during my, my secret place time. And there's a kind of a little slick way. I, I do the sheet where it's like, um, my brain dump is here. Things I have to do that come to my mind, which always seems to happen when I go to my quiet time. I have to rake the leaves. Oh, I need to call my wife. Oh, I need to do this. So I write those in the side column, okay? This column over here, the majority of the paper is for whatever comes to my brain. And it's, it, don't try and think it through. You're not writing a book. You're not writing a manuscript. You're not writing a play. It's like, I'm incredibly bored right now. I'm supposed to be reading Psalm chapter 23, verse one. I have so many things I need to do today. I'm so stressed about money and how I'm gonna pay the bills. And I look up Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I might get quiet for a second and just be really brutally honest. That's just what I do anyway. Like, I really don't believe this verse because I have all kinds of wants in my life right now. God, I want to write it all out. Just be completely vulnerable with the Lord and not make it this form, this religion of like, yes, Father, thank you so much for everything. Now I'm about my day. Have it be this, this relationship. Because again, using a spouse or a good friend, you don't just go to coffee and, and just go to this like weird piece of the conversation. It's like, Hey, so this, this 16-year-old boy at school is the biggest jerk in the world. Oh, wow. Let's, let's talk about that. You just, you're real with your girlfriend as you're talking, right? And you're like just talking about life. And I think that that's something that in the church, because of our form and our religion, so many times we can just, well, I need to like, it needs to look pretty and nipped and talked to whatever. And the Lord wants the real. And the Lord wants you to be you. It's good few more moments here. 
boundaries, borders, and how do we know when we're hearing God's voice clearly? Mm. Like, how do we learn to discern, to know, yes, that is the Lord, or oh, that's me yeah. in my flesh and soul yeah. that hasn't been fully sanctified by the Holy Spirit yeah. yet? Yeah. Like, what are some practicalities around helping that process uh, on a personal level? Because many of us, I think, Lord, we'd like for you to speak into our jobs, into our neighbors, our families. Um, for some of us, there's things going on in the culture. We want to hear the voice of the Lord. But how do we know, like, yeah, that's the Lord versus, nope, that's not the Lord. Um, I'll share two things that Mike Bickle told me when I was really, really young that have helped me. This is more on, like, decision-making. But he's like, if the Bible is a highway, there's five lanes, all those five lanes are going the same direction. There might be five different color cars on the highway. Sometimes we're asking questions about which lane and which color car. And the Lord's just like, get in a car and drive. It's going down the highway. So obviously off the highway would be like, oh, that's like anti-biblical. Oh, that's like sin. Well, that's not, you don't have to pray about it. Like we get it, right? Um, there might be exits so, you know, when trauma, when a big traumatic event happens in your life, you might scoop off at an exit and get therapy for a year and find healing because you got some stuff under the hood that really the Lord needs to tend to. And then you get back on the on-ramp and you just go down the highway. Second thing that he said, which I love this one, is he says um, many times he's like, just start moving. Again, this is more directional. But like start going in the direction you think God is leading you. And God's really, really good at, red lights. How many of you guys have ever experienced, you tried to do something in your life and it just did not work? The Olympic team, you know, whatever it might be, just didn't quite happen, right? Perhaps that was the Lord. On, there was a red light. It was like, yeah, you're not going to go this way. Um, but if you start, like, I think God's telling me to, like, for me, my, I started a production company to do musicals and films. No background in it. The Lord's, like, whispered it. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Definitely not. We argued for six months. I was called out publicly at a meeting and I was angry about it. I was like, oh God, like I guess I'm starting a production company. So I just started like doing stuff, having no idea what I was doing and I'd run into red lights. But there's been green lights all along the way. We just did our first film for $65,000 that we did not have. And we walked through door after door, green light after green light, and we came within $50 of our budget. And it's like, okay, I guess I heard God the last eight months. I don't think I did. And we, it was a big train wreck in my brain. But we have a produced film. You can buy it in the back. But um, it's like the Lord led through green lights. And there was a lot of red lights as well. Um, and then the final thing he said is, um, although in this day and age, it might still be a problem to knock on a door. Do you guys knock on doors around here? Like it? door-to-door stuff. Like hand out tracks? No, just in general. Like there were, you know, guys selling a security system knocks on your door. Oh yeah. The okay. Kirby people came to my door like a year ago. Okay. Yeah. I let them vacuum my carpets. You did? And then I kicked them out because I had a <laughs> dentist appointment. Well done. <laughs> wow. Did it feel good to get off your chest? <laughs> I feel a little more whole. <laughs> um... So not many people knock on doors, but he's like, if someone knocks on your door at your house, probably you're not gonna, I mean, maybe you will reach for your gun, but you're probably not gonna be like, who's at my door? But if someone is obnoxiously banging on your front door, there's a problem. 
You're going to reach for your gun, right? So in the same way, like in the kingdom, Mike's like, knock on doors. You feel God saying, I think I'm supposed to email, you know, whoever it is, some big name famous person, and see if they'll help me do this and help me save 25 years of my career of starting from zero, and they can just take me, you know, 25 years in the future of what they've done. No, that's super dumb. They're never going to respond to my email. Well, you didn't even try. That's just knocking on someone's door. Because who's to say if you knocked on that door, they would say, actually, yeah, I'm actually want to help fast track someone in this career path right now. If you like send them an email every single day, it's like, I don't think that's like what, you know, that's like banging on a door, right? Um, So that's, those are all more like, should I move to Hawaii and start a church there? Should I not? You know, it's like more big decision type things. But um, I think when in doubt, Trust your gut and trust the Lord. You know, I mean, faith without works is dead. And, and if we just constantly wait for it like, to be so clear, um, then I think it can just be uh, hurtful in the long run to actually get us to, to ask questions of like, is, is God even real? You know, begin deconstructing faith, all that, you know, the merry way. Uh, so... In a moment, I want you to share some of your resources. But yeah. what's one last word that, like, what's an encouragement as you sit here tonight, as we're trying to continue to become a people, hearing the Lord's voice, hearing more yeah. clear, with more clarity? What's one word of encouragement? Um, I'll leave you guys with a passage that has really transformed my life. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can just jot it down if you want. I'll read just a couple of verses. Um, you mentioned weariness earlier, and I definitely wanted to touch on that because that's, um, you know, young people in here, I think elderly people, they get it because um, you've lived a lot of life. But for young people, like, you just have to pretty much chalk it up and know beyond a shadow of a doubt, fact, take it to the bank, that your life is going to have many, many mundane seasons, many, many mundane days where you don't want to get up and hit the ground running. You're like, why was this a good idea? Who thought of starting a house of prayer and going 24-7 until Jesus comes back? Horrible idea. Ten years in, what are we doing? Horrible. Um, you know, my job at a factory, my job over here, I'm making six, seven figures. This is, is this all that life has to offer? Like, that's why we see celebrities and huge people, like, you know, killing themselves and all kinds, sleeping around, all kinds of crazy things. Life is about, like I said, getting a burning heart with the Lord, but on the way, there are many mundane times where we have to press into the Lord. And I've talked to a lot of elderly people and again, grilled them of like, does it ever get easier? Like, do I ever get like the fast pass at Disney? Sorry, uh, at theme parks in Florida um, or places of amusement in like Texas, we Six, have Adventureland. Six Flags, Adventureland. Adventureland. Yes, of course. Sorry. Um, but uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter four, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And these words have been life to me. So more than my words, I would encourage you to take these three verses and just meditate on them for a couple of years. Therefore, this is Paul, uh, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting Away. This is like Paul, who wrote half the New Testament. It's like, hey, Church of Corinth, let me let me encourage you. We're just wasting away on the outside. 
It's like, thanks, Paul. I thought you're supposed to be like the leader of our people. Like, what are you doing, bro? Outwardly, we're wasting away, but he goes to, to what matters. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. So beautiful. Verse 17, this is the mundane. He calls it light and momentary troubles. Again, Paul, shipwrecked, beaten with rods, really, really rough life. Like I would say his life was not uh, filled with momentary light afflictions. I have momentary light afflictions. Paul has like big time, you know, church of China persecution afflictions. But he says, no, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, here it is, an eternal glory. That's what we were singing about tonight. That far outweighs them all. He's like, these momentary light afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs having 50 million TikTok or Instagram followers. It far outweighs the glory of having the world stage and all eyes are on you. What I'm seeking, what Paul tells us to seek is an eternal glory. You could have the the greatest success, seven-figure income, multiple seven-figure income on this age, in this earth, in this age, and you can die and have the smallest duplex for eternity in heaven. I think of celebrities who who have passed away. Um, Michael Jackson, not to pick on Michael at all, but... You know, um, for much of his life, from what we know, uh, there was not a surrendering to the Lord. And many say that on his deathbed, he had a a surrendering. I don't know. I'm not a, uh, you know, whatever of Michael Jackson. But he was so famous, so known in this earth. I wonder if a mom of five snotty-nosed kids who raised them for 18 years might not be greater in eternity than someone who captivated audiences, millions of people for years on this earth. A glory that far outweighs them all. Young people, that's the glory you want to be pursuing. Don't forsake your earthly call, but pursue a glory that far outweighs any glory you can get here. And he finishes it so poetically. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. It's like, that's not very relevant in 2022. Like that, no, we fix our eyes only what is seen, right, Paul? No, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is simply temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's our call, and that's what the Lord has in store for us. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. It's really good. So, well, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much, God, for, uh, for, what, for what's happening at this church. Lord, thank you for the, the, uh, the history of the moves of God, the people of God that have come and gone from this, this soil, from this building, from the different adaptations of this building, the different seasons, God. I just pause for a moment, just recognize and... and um, want to just express my gratitude to you, Lord, for this church, for this leadership team, for the leadership teams who have gone before, who have held the line on holiness and righteousness and making disciples as you commanded us to go to the ends of the earth. And God, I ask that um, 
from the, the legacy, the deep roots that I even sense are in this place, God, um, that each and every person who's here tonight and even each and every person who calls third their home, um, God, in this next season, in, in the beginning of May, God, a, a um, just propellant forward would happen, a propelling forward would happen in the realm of the spirit, in the realm of the natural God, through finances, through um, buildings and more buildings um, to come. I'm not sure if there's other buildings in you guys' future, but um, just kind of sensing that there's buildings and more buildings, no idea what that means. Um, but Lord, let it, let it come to pass, God, for propelling forward in the spirit. I ask that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God, would begin to explode from this place. God, not for the weirdness of it, not for the glory of man or for someone in a pulpit, but for the glory and the fame of Jesus to fill the streets of Pella, to fill the streets of um, Oskaloosa, to fill the streets of Knoxville, to fill the streets of, of Iowa, God, and even beyond that, Lord, we ask for a manifestation of the glory of God to come from this place. And I just want to say, um, just remain in the place of prayer that uh, you may even be here tonight and just everything that has been said so far, you're just like, yep, clearly not for me. Everything he said is not for me. None of this is for me. I'm probably not even going to come here again. Not for me, not for me. This is God speaking. It's not for me. And I want to encourage you and say, God has a plan for your life. God has a calling upon your life. And find a brother or a sister and confess and open up to them and say, I have a lack of faith and I need a brother or sister to grab hold of me the same way that Aaron held up the hands of Moses in the midst of war. Because young man or young woman, you are in a war. The enemy is after your mind. The enemy has been manipulating things and controlling things, and God wants you free tonight. So if that's you, grab some of you before you leave this room tonight or call someone on your way home and confess, I need help. There is no shame in weakness. The Bible says, confess your sins one to another. He is faithful and just. Bring it into the light. Lord, we want to be in the light as you are in the light. Lord, we don't want to keep things in darkness. And lack of faith, we don't want to keep it in darkness. Self-hatred, we don't want to keep it in darkness. Indulgence in the flesh, we don't want to keep it in darkness. So if, if that's you tonight, I just want to encourage you to find someone. Ask them to pray with you and do business with the Lord because there is a calling upon your life to do great things for God. Young people in this room, you have so much life to live. There is a calling upon your life to do great things for God in business, in the education system, in the arts entertainment industry, in media, in ministry. Lord, I ask you to help, help them, God, help all of us to stay, as you say in the book of Matthew, God, on the narrow way. Lord, you said very few find the entrance to the narrow way. God, I ask from this church, many would find the entrance to the narrow way, not by striving, not from a place of anxiety or worry, but from a place of rest and from a place of peace. So as I just close tonight, whisper this to the Lord. You don't have to if you don't want to, but you can just repeat after me if you want to. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to live my life 
from a place of identity, of my love relationship with you. God, I am first a lover, and I am second a worker. God, I am first a lover of you, and I am second a worker for you. A lover will always outwork a worker. God, let that be our identity. We thank you for your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.